Dopamine swipe, dopamine, dopamine swipe. Follow us, likes, double tap. What's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the 817 Podcast. I'm Jimmy, here with my co-host, EJ. How's your weekend been? Good, man. The weather, we went to the, the nature reserve. It's been so while. It's been a while since I've been out there, because I forgot I had to sell my soul to the Confederate Parkway and, and White Settlement to get there. But it was worth it. My dog loved it. Was out. Did you enjoy the weather at all? Yeah, we went for a walk down the Trinity this morning. Uh, was it busy? The actually no the same, same the line. sidewalk was not busy. Uh, Dream Park was, Got but it. not anything insane. Um, yeah, yeah, nature I mean, reserve was quiet. No, no one was really out there for such a miserable May to have these like four days of reset before we get into miserable summer. Yeah. I was expecting the same thing. I was expecting there to just be like thousands of people flooding the park. Yeah. But really it wasn't bad at all. Yeah. 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 It's like this next four days. It's like how much outside time can I do? Yeah. You know, I did all my reading outside preparing for the pod today. Might just sleep outside. Yep. Sleep outside. Work outside, all of it. <laughs> well, if it doesn't rain, though, this might have been the only day we get no rain. Yeah, that's true. But uh, hey, this May is, you know, this weather's good because people are calling this May the uh, the party month for Fort Worth. You see that? This is the party month. Yeah, it really has been. I mean, I feel like we said last week that Fort Worth has been in the national news a lot recently, yep. and that continued this week with an episode of Good Morning America being taped in the stockyards that was pretty cool yeah yeah i'm interested to um see what the actual good morning american people's uh, feelings are about fort worth um you know being that it's usually in new york and now they had to like come to hang out with us for a couple you know days i wonder what their take was on it you know like their broadcast people producers um even their you know anchors yeah, I think Fort Worth's known to put a pr- put on a pretty good time for production, uh, local and coming in from out of town mm. at, with all the great work that the Film Commission and Visit Fort Worth does. Uh, I'm sure that this was a, a huge effort for, you know, Good Morning America was featuring all of Texas and decided to host from Fort Worth. I'm sure that Visit Fort Worth had a ton of... Uh, partnering and input into that happening so big kudos to them i was a little bummed out by the script though oh yeah the script oh it was it was painful little town this little town i was like what are we yeah. Twenty thousand people <laughs> yeah and oh it was oh it was so bad i thought they were gonna start selling some george foreman's and bull flexes <laughs> i thought i thought it was just bad it was i was like how do I live in this city? Like that little three minutes video of them selling Fort Worth. I was like, how do I actually live here? What 34 year old will I share this with and be like, yep, that's the, that's the town I want to take my professional career. Well, and that's what I was thinking about afterwards is I was, my first thought was, wow, I'm surprised my mom hasn't texted me about this yet because she watches good morning America every morning, uh, except they were in Vancouver. So that's probably why she wasn't watching. Um, and that kind of hit me like, oh, that's much more of Good Morning America's market than the like elder millennial. Um, yeah. So I think it 
definitely fed into the right crowd of people that Good yeah. Morning America could potentially target to come to Fort Worth. Uh, so maybe once we once they get here, we can show them that it's not all cowboys. Yeah, it was. I mean, Texas, Fort Worth remains the cowboy gimmick place where people say, I want to feel like a Texan. You do come to Fort Worth to do that. But to come feel like yourself, people don't think Fort Worth is that place because we don't create an agenda or a strategy to actually make Fort Worth a place like Vancouver, where people actually want to live, hang out, eat, and go travel to because it's cool, not because I want to be uh, wearing cowboy boots and at Billy Bob's. You know, that is, you know, a thing you do, but it's not, you know, who you are. Well, and I appreciate that the the signs that they had up behind the production were the were the inclusivity based signs that, but that, was that about, but, but, we, but we know that's I know, all, I, all, all garbage i know but at least like that's the uh i mean i don't know yeah yeah they want they want to sell the cowboy culture is y'all all means y'all means all whatever it is they want you to have black cowboys they want you to have women cowgirls or whatever but it's all to keep the, for they feel like it's inclusive, but it's, it's all, it's really not in real life. Well, let's get into the news this week. <laughs> and uh, First, that is uh, that there's some movement on Texas A&M's expansion into Fort Worth uh, and uh, some documentation around how they anticipate the project will help boost the education system here as well. Um so, the new downtown A&M campus, or Aggieland North as officials call it, took a major step toward reality May 19th. Inside the Frostbank Tower downtown, the A&M University System Board of Regents solidified its support of its northern expansion. Regents added the Cowtown campus to the system's five-year capital plan, which means that the project can begin tapping into funds to start its development. That's a big step. That this isn't just a, something in theory anymore, but there's funding behind this, and it's being hailed as a game changer for Fort Worth, the estimated $350 million project that was unveiled in November, I'm assuming should have some groundbreaking sometime soon. Yeah. I, I would no, think no, that's the next the, step. No, it says... Um they're going to start building summer 2023 20 and finish construction winter 2024. That's pretty fast. Yeah, for as much as it looks like they're building. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, I think, you know, you got, there's a lot of kudos around this for Betsy Price and and um, John Goff's efforts to make this happen. So kudos to them. It looks like it came from a, from a phone call 18 months ago. Um, to the university. So that's pretty, you know, that's pretty awesome. And also that you, what I liked about what Goff said, I mean, companies like XTO can come and go. Universities never leave. I think that kind of point is good. And why I also think this is a great move for Texas A&M is because Texas A&M really tries to be an innovation entrepreneurial hub. But when you're in college station, and really the only thriving thing you got is the university. Right. It's really hard to set that establishment. And I remember they used to try to sell themselves as like the, like some triangle. Like it was like this, this triangle because they're in the middle of Austin, Houston, and Dallas, Fort mm -hmm. Worth. 
and they're like, oh, we're surrounded by all this uh, uh, population. So this idea that now Texas A&M is actually in a city, a city where now if you're going to recruit MBA students, innovation students, engineering students at the master uh, level, you now have them in more of a um, what feels like a company because you're competing against University of, of Texas, which is in Austin. You're competing right. against people who are in cities. So this is a big win for A&M as well. Um, and if anything, right, Aggies and Caltown, that all goes together. So yippee-ki-yay, <laughs> we're good to go. What's your take on it? Oh, I agree. It's great. I hope that it will um, especially demand more investment in our public transit infrastructure. Absolutely. Uh, I am not mad at all that it's, you know, taking up some parking lots now and turning it into actual usable space and being right off of the TRE station, like, I think that it is a perfect spot to uh, incorporate more buses, better commuter rail. Um, so I think that the infrastructure will have to develop around it. And uh, hopefully Fort Worth is ready to invest in that as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to, man, 10 years from now, that area is going to seem so different. And, mm -hmm. and, and um, it's going to feel like I feel like a city. Well, and especially I feel like they're I feel like the campus will operate similarly to like a UT Arlington where it's yeah. much more commuter based than people living on or near campus. Mm -hmm. And so if we can also connect the rest of the Metroplex easily to that campus, you're keeping a lot of local talent in DFW, you're keeping it specifically in Fort Worth. And you're making it easy for them to get to and from school without having to drive on 30 or 35. Like, I, I think that uh, you can really develop that area of downtown well around a young research-based institution uh, if we put the effort into an investment into making that happen. Yep, yeah, yeah. And they're partnering with uh, a couple of different programs, right? They have the... Um the Tech Tarrant County College to establish an engineering academy, which gives local students the chance to earn a Texas A&M engineering degree um, close to home for a fraction of the cost um, and providing some of that experience in different ways. I know they're doing that in multiple different areas. It would be interesting what kind of impact this makes on UTA, University of mm -hmm. Texas Arlington. Mm -hmm. Like they kind of saw this opportunity first and moved their MBA program down there. Yeah. And now, you know, I wonder... You know, but that that to me now, I just got excited because I'm thinking, man, you got MBA students from UTA, you got engineers and innovators from A&M. They're having coffee. You know, they're trying to st create companies. You have the executive and the engineer, and those are really the two you need to really um, strike gold and and starting something together right uh, and then it becomes a side project for both of them they're doing it in their garage or whatever they're working on it in the coffee shop uh, that that synergy could actually be really promising because now you got you know mba kids mm -hmm. and engineers uh, all in one place yeah i agree 
Fun stuff. Well, speaking of connecting the Metroplex. Come on now. The Tarrant Regional Water District and Dallas Water Utility celebrated the opening of a 150-mile pipeline Friday, helping secure the growing region's supply of drinking water. The $2.3 billion project, funded between the two counties and the state, comes at a time when North Texas faces the dual threats of prolonged drought and surging demand for water. As of Tuesday, roughly 81% of Texas was experiencing some level of drought, affecting an estimated 16.6 million people. More than half the state is suffering from extreme or exceptional drought conditions. This is something I haven't seen in the news a ton recently, but Lake Powell in Arizona, where uh, Horseshoe Bend is, super famous national monument, is dry. Like, it's literally gone. And I, I feel like that's... You know, we're we're having to look forward and make sure we're being innovative when it comes to water supply for a growing area, especially amidst changing climate conditions. Yep, yep. Yeah, and if you look at it, they're saying, you know, when you see what Carlos Flores, city council member, said, we're really ahead of the curve with this pipeline, which is interesting because, you know, when it comes to um, the... The grid for electricity, it seems like we're, we're behind the curve. <laughs> so it actually feels good to be ahead of the curve on something. Um, and they talk about it being, he estimates, the project says um, it will save money for both utilities. Um, Dan Bunman, general manager for the Tarrant District, said that the pipeline will net a billion dollar savings in operations and maintenance costs, um, which I find that interesting. Um, I mean, you know, you know, got to save that yeah, billion yeah, yeah, to spend yeah, yeah. it on Fort Worth Club memberships. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Um, yeah, no. So that's super cool. Nothing too big there on the story. Just, a, I think, an important story for all of us to know. Two point three billion dollars, 150 mile pipeline connecting Tarrant and Dallas so that if any county is dealing with a shortage, we can rely on one, one another. So really cool stuff. Yeah. And uh, obviously we in a growing area like this that as Really, a lot of the country gets outpriced of being able, like, cost of living wise for housing. Like, I think we're going to continue to see a major influx of people to the area. And so, being ahead of the curve in this is uh, an exciting thing. Look at us actually highlighting the water district in a positive <laughs> way. Come on now. Even a blind squirrel finds a nut sometimes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's go ahead and dive into one of your favorite topics, uh, and that is short-term rentals in Fort Worth. As a former short-term rental, um, I guess, person, uh, the debate over the short-term rentals took center stage Tuesday uh, as residents lobbied at Fort Worth City Council to crack down on what they called a commercial encroachment on residential neighborhoods. Um, Fort Worth is considering changing its 2018 ordinance, which legally defined what a short-term rental is and prohibited them from operating in residential neighborhoods. Um, They're also looking to spend money on a data mining company to figure out where, how many rentals we have, what that could look like. Um, Looking at rentals in April, we had nearly 1,600 active rentals um, on Airbnb and Verbo, according to AirDN. Uh, air dna short-term rental market um so uh, this article shared two kind of sides of it hey short-term rentals are coming deal with it adapt and others are saying hey 
you know, this is, this is being impacted by businesses coming into our neighborhoods and making our neighborhoods not feel like homes. Um, so what is your th- thoughts there and how do, what is anything here updates or changes your perspective? I, I thought that Jared Rucker Wrecker, uh, vice president of the Fort Worth short term rental Alliance brought a lot of really great points and was really open starting a conversation I think the people speaking against them just kind of fired off the laundry list of sort of made up issues that come along with short term rentals like, oh, it means that there's going to be some raging parties next door all the time. Like when you travel and stay in an Airbnb, how often are you like throwing some massive party? Like it's just not a real thing that happens very often. Like maybe you have the occasional like party that comes in Mm -hmm. um so i the the people speaking against them to me nobody presented anything unique or interesting it was all very just you know the -the run-of-the-mill hot button uh topics around them um but i think the idea is like they're here the people speaking against them are saying that they want better accountability uh, for them, like the city to crack down better on them. What that means is a ton of manpower going into something that, one, these are probably the same people voting against like extra government spending, quote-unquote. They'd probably say they're against big government, quote-unquote, um, but we just have to like work together to find a middle ground that regulates them and also creates money for the city out of this. Like instead of putting a ton of money into shutting these things down, how about we act like every other big city across the country and basically world and tax these the same way we tax hotel occupancy create generate revenue for the city um and i think it was atlanta recently just put a new ordinance around limiting to where you could have two one of them had to be part of your homestead yeah uh they all had to be registered you know you'd the city collects fees on all of them like what we're doing now is what allows the rise in cost of rent by limiting of the available housing stock as someone from the Texas neighborhood coalition talked about and yeah. brought up because you could just buy, someone could just come in and buy 30 houses Correct. if they have the money to do that and rent them all out. If we'd put actual concrete rules around it, then we're fixing these problems instead of just trying to, sweep it under the rug yeah i was yeah i think where i think both of these parties the anti short-term rentals and the pro rental association people can really build um collaborativeness is around what you kind of said that atlanta did is the real problem isn't short-term rentals the real problem is large businesses buying up neighborhoods right, right. i mean you're seeing that uh, one of every three home in Phoenix is purchased by 
BlackRock, JP Morgan, or one of these iBuyers like Open Door or mm-hmm. um, or Zillow, right? And even even in um, Dallas, Open Door, ten percent of Open Door purchases is DFW. Yeah. So when you have these all these people buying stuff just to make business out of something that should be seen as a utility mm-hmm. that everyone deserves a home and place to live. Um, and, and yeah, I think you, if you could do what Atlanta did where it's like, yes, your homestead and maybe one to, I'd be okay with four, maybe, you know, like nothing where it's like a family, you know, someone who's looking to create some passive income, looking to, you know, diversify some of their wealth or whatever, but it's when it comes wall street mainstream strategy. And, you know, even cities like Conroe, Texas. I read mm-hmm. a crazy story where Conroe, Texas was owned by China. They just like bought Conroe, Texas <laughs> and built hundreds of homes and then sold it to like as a as a as a as a project, yeah. the whole neighborhood. So it's 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 that's the part is macro purchasing of real estate um should be frowned upon. Um the same way merger and acquisitions are for Facebook or Google buying mm-hmm. up all their competitors. Yeah, I think it makes a, even if it's every person in your homestead could have two or every yeah. person over 18 in your homestead could have two so that yeah. like husband and wife, you could have yeah. four as a family type yeah. of thing or two partners um, have four total. Like, yeah, creating structure around it is and still going, tax them and, yes. and, and tax and tax them. Um, Correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Tax them the way we tax hotel occupancy so that it actually drives commerce for the city the way that they can. Like, I I don't understand why we would take an asset and try and get rid of it. Like, if I told you that we just wanted to close all of the hotels in Fort Worth, you would look at me like I'm crazy. Mm-hmm. Like we're out here talking about how we want to attract people to the area to come visit, to come spend their money and time and vacations. And I'm going to come in and say, no, let's close every place that they can stay. Yep. It literally doesn't make sense. That's the opposite of what we should be doing. So I agree. It continue. I'm glad that the conversation is finally happening because this ordinance was changed in 2018 and really hasn't been touched since then. It was so pre 2018, it was already against city ordinance to operate a short term rental in Fort Worth. Then in 2018, they took the next step of like further defining what short term rental meant to make sure that everybody understood that it meant Airbnb, VRBO, etc. Um, so four years in the making, we're finally having the conversation that we should have had four or five yeah. years ago. And the purpose of the city's data mining firm uh, to find a data mining firm is to help identify the number of short-term rental properties so that they could really start estimating occupancy taxes for those properties and informing any changes to the city. So to me, the, the proactiveness of the reason you're looking for a data mining firm is to do that shows that the direction they're looking to move is just it's time for us to get money we're not collecting on these uh, properties yeah and let's just napkin math this out i don't know what 1600 yeah i don't know what the occupancy tax is in fort worth but let's just say it would come out to ten dollars a night 
at these Airbnbs. And that's like average across different prices, et cetera. Hypothetical number, $10. So 6%. 6%. That's huge. Okay. So like, I think, I mean, maybe we're even yeah. talking $20. I mean, so uh, yeah, 150 a night, you're looking at $6 plus, yeah, another yeah, nearly 10 bucks, like you said. Yeah. So let's use $10. <sighs> 1,595 active rentals, say 1,600, make it easy. So that's $16,000 a night if every single one was occupied. Multiply that by 365 days. Then I'll say from our experience, we were occupied five years ago, like 80% of the time. I'm just going to put... 50% 50% of the time just to average out across, you know, different occupancy levels. That's $2.9 million that like we really don't have to put any money or effort towards to take away for the city. Seems, and seems pretty good. And we can move it all the transit. That's right. Come on now. So we're not Ubering around. <laughs> To our Airbnbs. That's right. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll keep up with the story um, and uh, keep going there. So, again, if you're new to the pod, three we do three short stories and then one big story. So, let's go ahead and move into the big story, which is obviously um, tomorrow is voting. We're um, voting in the runoffs that we had. So, we have to decide if, you know. As from a Republican side to uh, if you voted Democrat, uh, the runoff election is now. So who's going to be the main person going against the other party in November? And we got a lot of important different um, people going against each other. You know, I think the big exciting one, you know, for the Republican side is Ken Paxton and George P. Bush. You know, that one I think is important. Uh, A couple others there. And before we get into exactly what the races will look like. Just for clarification, when you voted in, was it February? If you voted in the Republican primary, you can vote in the Republican runoffs. If you voted in the Democratic primary, you can vote in the Democratic runoffs. If you did not vote, you can choose which one you want to vote for. And that's an important point that Bud Kennedy brought up in his editorial is that like 94% of Fort Worth is eligible to vote in the Republican primary, which typically is the deciding contest in Texas state elections. Maybe that should be the title for this pod. Why you should vote Republican tomorrow. Something like that. I don't know. Because... Probably most people who listen to this pod don't identify or classify as Republican. So if you can just get like 10 people, you know, 20 people who listen to the pod to actually go vote, you know, it's going to be close. Because also Bud Kennedy said only 2% of people have voted for of the Republican side. Only 2% people have voted. So usually that means uh, low turnout. Um, The more radical people who got people excited and fired up, you know. Mercy Church to get out. That's, that's going to show That's kind of what happens. So, yeah. So, the runoff election, um, looking at it, we kind of went through them last time. But, um, you know, you have Attorney General, 
like I said, George P. Bush, Ken Paxson on the D- Democrat side, Rochelle Garcia and Joe Jaworski, uh, Lieutenant Governor uh, Mike Collier, and then Michelle Beckley, Land Commissioner Jake Kleberg and Sandra Grace Martinez, Republican Don Buckingham and Tim Wesley, Railroad Commissioner Republican Wayne Christian, Sarah Stogner, uh, State Board of Education District 13, Catherine Monette and Denise Russell, um, Texas 24th Congressional District, Derek Gay and Jan McDowell for the Democratic, U.S. Representative District 30, Democrat Jasmine Crockett, Jane Hope Hamilton, Republican James J. Frank Harris, James Rogers, U.S. Representative District 32, Antonio Swad and Justin Webb. Bud also said, which I, I think Bud's article in the Sunday paper kind of hits why we should vote. But then also, uh, it also just kind of talks about like, we are, what, four elections in 16 weeks? Mm-hmm. So people are just like tired. People have no idea that things are going on. This is why you have low turnout. Um, but you voted Republican in eight February. I voted Republican February. This this is so we are voting on the Republican side. And I'm actually excited to because it really matters. You're picking between crazies and actually Republicans. Like that's so like that's important. Yeah. I mean the more extreme candidates that are out there right now are, you know, backed by religious activists or Don Huffines and Don Huffines had a billboard outside my exit that said end property taxes. Like what, what is Texas going to do if we end property taxes? Those are not the people that should be running our state or local governments. Uh, and so it really is a, a big deal that we are choosing between, you know, more centered average republicans and the i they're calling themselves like the maga caucus now is yeah. like the national term for them essentially yeah yeah so to me this seems like something like why shouldn't we do this every year in texas or every voting year in texas like vote republican yeah i mean republicans haven't lost a state or tarrant county election since 1994 and so until that happens like you're voice is going to be a little bit more heard if you're voting in one of those elections in the primaries and the runoffs and not to say that that means that that can't change this year like there's a lot that governor abbott is leaving on the table for beto to go after like the fact that we were concerned about potential rolling blackouts in mid-may again it's right there in front of Beto to message to moderates and just average voters who might not typically vote in a midterm election. Uh, I would still call it a, a long shot, but doesn't mean it's not going to happen. So if you're voting Republican tomorrow, May 24th, I have received tons of mail to tell us who to vote for. So I, you know, I don't know if you receive mail, but basically they show the the Trump back people, and they give you who to vote for. So we're just going to go the opposite of this list. Yeah, it's pretty nice that they send out like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. hey, we're going to identify the further right people for you, just so that you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so, um, 
the list here, we're going to go down the row here, is for Attorney General, uh, that one's easy, George P. Bush over Ken Paxson, uh, uh, Land um, Commissioner is Tim Wesley, right? Mm -hmm. And then what do we have next? Railroad Commissioner uh, Sarah Stockner. Yep. U.S. Representative District 30, I guess neither of them are extreme enough to get the check mark from this. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, pick your poison. <laughs> They're both named James, too. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, then you have the Education, State of Board Education District 13, Kath, Catherine Monette. State Representative District 91, David Lowe. State Representative District 93, Laura Hill. And this is a big one because Shot's line is the mercy culture guy. Oh, really? Yeah, he's a he's one of the, the people that they pull up on stage uh, to talk about. So if you're voting in District 93 for state rep, um, he is that guy. Yeah. I think this is another one. Criminal District Attorney, Tarrant County, Matt Krause. Yeah, and... Uh, Sorrell's, I think, reading from Bud's article, basically has no experience for what he's trying to walk into. Yeah. It's one of those, if I would have launched a campaign and somehow gotten Donald Trump's endorsement and been in a runoff. Um, so, oh, no, Krauss is the newbie. He, look, he looks young. I think they're both actually relatively new with experience. But Krauss has a fam more popular name because of previous work doing something. That's what I'm... Gotcha. But Sor Sorrells is the one endorsed by uh, the far right. And then County Criminal Court number five, Mammy Johnson. Um, and uh, that's all the Republican runoff races. Um, I mean, I feel like on the Democratic side, it's tough to choose, too, because you're wanting to choose the I I would think you're wanting to choose the more well-funded person mm. because that's the one who realistically is going to have a slightly better chance come November. So even in a situation where like it's a toss up between them um if you're getting texts from somebody or like if you've gotten calls from somebody or mailers, that's probably an indicator that they're better funded. And even if that's not what like you want to determine your vote on. And I would say that that's a good feeling to have uh, when we're talking about state and Tarrant County elections. Funding is going to go the majority of the way in making it slightly competitive yeah it, who the, who knows how this is going to turn out I and mean, it seems like my gut and everyone's gut that i talked to that it's going to be far right bonanza yeah yeah i mean i think that's when it, we're looking at two to six percent voter turnout yeah uh, like bud says in his editorial like that favors non-incumbents it favors people that have a passionate base behind them and right now that's uh the extreme yeah yeah well i'll see you at the polls tomorrow 
Uh, the other <laughs> funny thing that we that came up in uh, election lore this week is Brian Bird, his reemergence, oh, yeah. his editorial. Flew out the nest. The race for Tarrant Judge was tough, but it's time for Betsy Price to back Tim O'Hare. I feel like this is uh, Bird trying to get back at Betsy a little bit for how she acted towards him in the mayoral race. Uh, because uh, there are a lot of establishment people that are running from backing Tim O'Hare. And it's not, they're not even backing Deborah Peoples. Like I would say they probably should. Yeah. But they're not coming out in support of Tim which makes a lot of sense. And for Dr. Bird to come out and put Betsy on blast saying that it's time for her to do that, I would imagine that there's a a phone call or a text headed his way that is not super nice coming from Betsy. Keep my name out your mouth, (laughs) Bird. (laughs) <laughs> this is the time to uh play the Will Smith clip uh from Betsy's husband to Brian Bird. Yeah. Keep my wife's name out Joe's <laughs> mouth. <laughs> Cuz I mean when you look at these conservative flyers that we're receiving, I mean they're like Donald Trump's face reprinted on top of the people they endorse. It's like so it's like Trump's face, Trump's face, Trump's face, Trump face down Paxson's and all the other ones. And then the ones that are not and so, like, surely there's this, like, awakening, you know, center to Republican core that's, like, thinking how we're thinking about being, if you, you know, voting. Um, because you saw some of those people not vote for Trump in the presidential election. Is that people bigger? Like, are, are, are there anyone tired of Trump? I don't know. And with us being a purple city and then Beto going to be on the ballot in November who's going to bring out a lot of people if at worst it just keeps them home or they don't even vote they skip that they just skip it mm-hmm. like they don't even vote for that like Deborah or Tim O'Hare could Deborah pull it out yeah I mean I think she has a better chance against Tim O'Hare than she would against yeah. Betsy Price for sure and then with the Roe versus Wade stuff happening with the, you know, I've been having my AC at 40 so the grid can break. So so Beto can have a shot. You know, uh, I've been trying to break it. <laughs> but, um, you know. So, I didn't even need to run my dishwasher, but I ran it twice. Yeah. Just had three bowls During in there. peak hours. Yeah. <laughs> three bowls. Use the hot dry setting, too, so it dries it. <laughs> um, so, like, yeah, maybe... Every maybe we're being too pessimistic as progressives in Texas, but we'll see how sad the world is here in November. Like, is the end of order gonna happen? And we're just like, how do we live in this state? Because they're moving the rug under our feet very blatantly now, and we're just all letting it happen. Yeah, I'd it'll be really interesting to see how this all shakes out. Yeah. Are you uh, ready to move into wins and losses? Let's make it happen. I'll start with my loss, and 
I just was really annoyed looking back through this week's papers front page above the fold. What can our president do about gas prices? Let's wait. Experts weigh in on the president's impact of gas prices. And it's just such an absurd thing. Like the U.S. has very, very cheap gas relative to everywhere else in the world except for like the Middle East that produces a large amount of our gas. Um, But this article basically goes through uh, and I mean, it feels like it was written by Fort Worth oil companies uh, to just point the finger at anybody but themselves. Um, And like, obviously gas prices going up does suck, but it's not until well down into this article, if you've made it that far, that somebody says, now the president can't really do anything about gas prices. Then it says, who are some other presidents that have been blamed for gas prices in the past? And it names impeached Rick, Richard Nixon, Democrat Jimmy Carter, and New Deal Franklin Delano Roosevelt. Like what? No, no other president has ever been blamed for gas prices. We we haven't had high gas prices any other time in our history. Like, get out of here! I just thought that this was a this is essentially like a clickbait article, front and center on the like Wednesday paper, and it just bummed me out a little bit. I like I think that we have a better team behind this than essentially what came across as an editorial that didn't even mention the fact that the biggest oil companies in the United States literally tripled their profits and revenue from last year to their highest of all time, like three times their highest, most profitable quarter of all time. And like, that's not even mentioned in here that like we're being price gouged, we're being extorted by gas companies come on like that's that's the headline right there yeah people who actually could do something about it yeah people who actually have an influence on this so i mean there was a bill passed in the house this week to try and hold companies accountable there's no way it's going to pass the senate like joe manchin's not going to sign on to that um but let's actually have a real conversation about gas prices and kind of you know grow up join the rest of the world in understanding that our leader of one country is not responsible for how expensive gas is yeah um my loss is around um the the city east of us, Dallas Mayor Eric Johnson, he kind of, you know, called for a second NFL team in Dallas. And I just thought that was such a not smart idea, like a pointless idea. Like that, like have a advocate for, there's a lot of other things we need to be advocating for in Dallas, you know. Uh, so I just thought that like this idea of, wanting to have a second team because we're the third largest metro 
and the other Metro one and two has two teams, New York and LA. Yeah, but New York and LA's metros, New York is, you know, 19 million, LA is 13 million, and we're seven and a half. They're, they're twice as large as us, if not triple almost for, for New York. It makes no sense for us to have a second team. And, um, it also makes it difficult because the Dallas Cowboys are technically in Tarrant County. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, you're not going to not take the Dallas. You're, what, you're going to put a team in South Dallas? And what are you going to call that team? Right. Are you going to move the Dallas Cowboys to South Dallas and then call another team the. Arlington or Fort Worth yeah, or yeah. Texas, whatever's. Yeah, yeah. I don't think Jerry's going to just give up his stadium to <laughs> yeah. some other team. Yeah. And, and what, you know, do I think we could maybe could Fort Worth have a, you know, something maybe like in a different sport, but not the NFL. And it was just, I think the funniest thing to me was that this wasn't some like offhanded, like, joke comment like he's serious this was something he was serious about and sounds like he's had legitimate conversations around and yeah Yeah. the last thing we need is another jerry jones coming into the area advocating against a public transit line that connects cowboy stadium to the rest of the metroplex and he's mad because like oh dallas cowboys are in frisco and and the rangers are in arlington so is Dallas Knights. They don't live there. Your people don't live there. Like, yeah, yeah. sorry. <laughs> like, y- we created a city that that people don't actually want to be in um, for their homes and recreation. That's a you know that's a classic Texas Texas metro density issue. You know, um, it's all done to y'all to the metro's urban planning, and I don't know what to tell you, man. But the Dallas Cowboys are fine. You don't need to yeah. add something also, else like, to that. Nobody goes to LA games. Like if you're going to try and say like, oh, the first two metros are thriving. First off, neither of the New York teams play in New York. They play mm-hmm. in New Jersey. Then you go to LA. Neither of those two teams have anybody coming to their games. The Rams probably now. Well, Super the Ram- the Rams have everybody else coming to their games. Yeah, yeah. Like visiting teams yeah. are coming to see that stadium. So I, you don't have fan bases behind them. Like you think a new a fan base is just going to start supporting yeah. some random not Dallas Cowboys team. Like Cowboys fans are annoying enough. Like we do not <laughs> need something else for them to talk about <laughs> yeah yeah so that was my l what's your win my win i do like your win better but my win i was trying to be nice i was surprised that you didn't say that this was gonna but be you know it was so because when i was editing last week's pod that news came out so it felt so long ago yeah yeah uh because we did an early pod last mm-hmm. week um but my my pod is seventy thousand people came to fort worth for the pbr um world series finals whatever they call it professional bull riding 70,000 people showed up to Fort Worth that's always a good sign um as much as I freaking or feel like we have the one cowboy set up it works it works for the people people love it it there's probably a lot of people who love what Fort Worth is doing and that just is simply not me and um hey it's fine um the stockyards were hopping yeah yeah like taking uh Brooke to work and picking her up like it was there was a noticeable difference in how long it was taking for uh 
us to make that trip. Like it was, there were a lot of people out there. Yeah, and like just the testimonies around, it's annoying. Where it's just like this is supposed to be a win, by the way, but it's just like the the oh how they just preserve the history of the stockyards and all that stuff. And I'm just like, cool. I you know if it makes you happy, wonderful. And I do agree that PBR in Fort Worth makes a lot of sense because there's nothing more cowboy than Fort Worth, Texas. You know, so all things cowboy should be here. And so when Good Morning America says we want to feel like Texas, they come to Fort Worth because we are Texas and we should be proud of that. My win, (laughs) starkly different, is the Kendrick Lamar music video shooting in Fort Worth. I will say, like Rolling Stone magazine, this is Fort Worth, not Dallas, like Fort Worth Film Commission is listed in the credits, not Dallas Film Commission. You can you can get that right. There were a few other publications that listed it as Dallas, but the fact that like people are going to see that video from a massive album, from a massive artist, look at these incredible backdrops and say, "Whoa, where is that? How can I go see that?" I that I mean that was an amazing time in the spotlight for the city. Yeah, yeah. And uh I remember someone, I don't know if I was in a car with them or at a bar, um and they were talking about how Kendrick Lamar was in in town and that they I was even hearing like again, I don't know how true it is cuz I was waiting to see what the story was behind it, but supposedly he has an important relative or someone in Fort Worth that lives here. Um so I don't remember, like, I want to say maybe it was at uh, the Lou Charles Lulapalooza last year or something where someone was talking to me about it because this was a long time ago when they recorded it. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like that was. So, um, but yeah, got tickets for the Kendrick Lamar concert coming up. Great album. Super awesome. Um, so, yeah. Is Dickies too small for him to play? No, I def- that'd be That'd be dope if no, he... No, I definitely think Dickies is perfect for him to play. Yeah, I think I think people, but the the kicker is he's not that type of like where if he's going to perform in Dallas, which is already scheduled. I'm going to the one in Houston because okay. I have a wedding the next day uh, in Houston, so I'm going to the one in Houston. But no, I think that should be something we should definitely try to get happen. The thing is, he doesn't really like to tour, or he doesn't tour a lot, mm-hmm. um, and he already has this tour going. Um, so I don't know. Yeah, but anyways, that was. George Strait's coming a second time, though. Yeah. So our man, king of country. I mean, that was a crazy thing to see drop. And then all of a sudden it was like wildfire. This, yeah, this is all over the Internet. Yeah. Um, so really, really cool. Great job by Red Productions and everybody involved making that happen. Um, just another instance of Fort Worth being in the national spotlight for a not white supremacist uh, yeah. thing in the past like month, month and a half. That's been yeah. really cool. Yeah. And then this coming weekend is uh, colonial. So we'll have yep. golf back in town. Uh, and then, I mean, I think there's a big Texas motor speedway race coming in a couple of weeks. Like just a lot happening. Yeah. Yeah. Feels, feels like Fort Worth Ford. So um, really exciting stuff. So there you have it. Thank you for listening to the 817 podcast where we highlight 
the lovely city of Fort Worth, economics, politics, culture. Hopefully you enjoyed this episode. Subscribe, share with a friend, and it's Memorial Day weekend next weekend, so we're going to not be doing a pod next week, but we'll see you in June. Hopefully there's a lot to share, as I know we're going to have the results from the election, uh, so we'll be able to simmer on that and the scorching heat of Texas. Yeah, enjoy your long Memorial Day weekend, and we'll see you in June.